Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are in the room live, watching live online, later on demand, or listening to our podcast, our prayer is for you to experience the life-changing power of God in your life today. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. That team is made up of people committed to helping you grow. People grow here because our team loves to challenge, encourage, and equip people to become more like Jesus. If this is your first time visiting Dayspring, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. We're just like you, imperfect people on a journey. We're allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives, learning to live like him, a little more today than yesterday, a little more tomorrow than today. Even if you aren't sure that you're ready to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of his followers, well, this is still a great place a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking those same questions and looking for answers too, so I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. So welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. Oh man, welcome to week three of our, our series, Stuck, Get Back in the Race. In week one, Chris unpacked our discipleship strategy and talked about some of the catalysts that help us to grow spiritually. Last week, he talked about the difference between trying to live for God's approval and living from God's approval. If you missed one of those messages, I strongly encourage that you go to our website at dsf.church and watch them. It will help you to see the full picture that we are painting in this series. You know, hearing only one message of a series is kind of like, you know, looking at just one part of a painting. You, you might enjoy what you see, uh, but when you kind of step back and take a moment and you look at the whole thing, there's so much more to take in. Today, we're going to take a look at some of the how of getting unstuck. Now, when I think of the word stuck, I think of being, you know, unable to move forward, like stuck in the mud. Chris shared his experience of being stuck in the mud last week. Or how about being stuck in traffic, like I am every Friday coming home from my granny day in Portland? For the love of Moses, would someone please fix the I-5 Wilsonville exit situation? What is up with that, anyway? And I know that we have some ODOT guys in, in the room here, so your spiritual growth opportunity is to fix the traffic on I-5 at Wilsonville because you would be keeping a lot of drivers from sinning in thought and word if you could do that. But seriously, today I want us to think of being spiritually stuck as more of, you know, being in a rut, being stuck in a rut being in a rut spiritually speaking. Now the definition, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, of being in a rut is to be settled or established in a habit or course of action. 
And we're kind of moving, but we're stuck between these rails. And oftentimes it creates boredom and lackluster approach to growing spiritually and emotionally. And we can be cruising along in our little rut, feeling content, and not even recognizing that we're in a rut. It's kind of like looking at one little part of the painting and missing that whole picture. We're perfectly happy with where we are and where we're going, and we miss that we could be experiencing something more. And in his book, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis wrote this. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Now, all of us are somewhere on the spiritual growth continuum. And we all experience spiritually dry seasons. And uh, we all experience times when we just don't feel like we want to grow right now, or we don't recognize that we should be growing, or we're just stubborn and we've dug our heels into where we are and we are not budging, this is who I am and I am not going to change. Now, being in a rut, spiritually speaking, is when we're cruising along and we're either apathetic about where we are or we stubbornly choose to stay where we are. Either way, we're not expanding any borders or making any prog progress in our spiritual growth. Now, I'm an old school Disney fan. And I say old school because I love the original vision of Disney. And I realize that they have lost some of the magic over the years, but with Bob Iger back in the driver's seat, things are looking up. And our family has made countless trips to both Disneyland and Disney World. And when the kids were growing up, sometimes we took them with us and sometimes we didn't. Yes, Tony and I went without the kids many times. That's good parenting, by the way. <laughs> now, although we love the atmosphere and, and people watching, Tony really enjoys the roller coasters and big rides in general. Uh, I will do some, not all. I, I hate the feeling of big roller coasters. Uh, Tony and the girls love them. And our conversation goes something like this. Tony says, oh, I really think you would like it. It's not that bad. And I politely decline the invitation to join him, and he goes on the ride and comes back, and I'm glad you didn't go. You wouldn't have liked it. <laughs> now, for anyone who likes rides, you know that the popular ones always have a line, and sometimes it's a long one. So if you have the opportunity to ride a ride multiple times, you know, back to back, you take advantage of it, and you jump back in line for just another go. Another go, another go. You just keep riding Big Thunder Mountain Railroad over and over again. Over and over again. Until you're either sick or you're bored and it's time to get off the ride. And being in a rut is kind of like that. The same thing, over and over again. At first it was fun and exciting, but then it becomes repetitive and maybe even boring. The track is the same, over and over. And the thrill is gone. And you know every twist and turn. And the experience has become predictable. It's time to get out of the rut and do something different. Now, generally speaking, I, I'm a pretty disciplined person most of the time. 
I exercise regularly. I have a daily quiet time with Jesus. I like to finish projects in a timely manner. Um, I usually meet deadlines. In fact, I prefer to finish before the deadline. Um, I can make myself do the thing that needs to be done most of the time. Not to say that I don't leave some dishes in the sink and relax in the recliner at the end of the day, but I definitely would rather have the things done before I relax. And I think that my motivation comes from having a bipolar mother who either stayed up all night making matching outfits for her six children or staying in bed for six days unable to face the world. There wasn't much available for treatment in those days, so she suffered greatly in her mental illness, as did her family. And what's unusual is that all six of us kids became get-or-done kind of people. We all have the drive to do what needs to be done. And I'm sure it started from an unhealthy place. But by the grace of God, we have all done the difficult work to get past the unhealthy drive. And although we're still disciplined, we can give ourselves some grace and rest when needed. And I have to be honest. For much of my life, it was difficult for me to understand why other people didn't just buckle down and get done what needed to be done. In fact, it irritated me when they wouldn't. And praise Jesus, I since understand much more about that. I understand the differences between low, medium, high-capacity people. I understand that for some it's not a capacity issue, it's a behavior which they do have some control over and they just choose not to. For others, depression or anxiety, perfection, fear, or being risk-averse just paralyzes them. And they're, they're at times unable to act. And although forward movement can be more difficult in some circumstances, it is possible. It just might look different than we expect it to. So as we unpack getting out of a rut, please keep an open mind. As we discuss some of the things to help us move one step closer to Jesus, one more step toward thinking like and being more like Jesus, be open to where he might be nudging you to do something different. Don't let yourself automatically rationalize why you are where you are. God has something for you today. He's calling you to draw nearer to him. So please be open to that. And to be honest, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I understand that there may be uh, extenuating circumstances in your life. Spiritual growth looks different for every person. But even if you struggle... With discipline for one reason or another, you should still be growing. So let's talk about how to get out of the spiritual rut. But before we dive in, let's pray. Heavenly Father, the temptation right now is to shut down. So God, I pray the power of your spirit to move in us, to open those places that we don't want to go. We invite you to have your will. We invite you to challenge us. We invite you to discipline us in ways that draws closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Christian uh, life, oh, Randy Friese, in, in his book, Think 
act, be like Jesus, becoming a new person in Christ says this. The Christian life is not primarily an intellectual pursuit, nor is it simply about doing good or engaging in spiritual activity. The Christian life is about who you are becoming for the sake of others. Since Jesus came from heaven to, re to represent us before God, he also modeled for us the life we were created to live. Therefore, the ultimate objective of life by God's design is for us to be like Jesus. Now, world in different places when it comes to being like Jesus or what we would call spiritual maturity. As Pastor Chris discussed in the first message of this series, there are many catalysts that can help us to grow. And we'll address some of those uh, later in the message. But what happens when we grow or what happens when we know what the catalysts are, but we don't do anything about them? Well, Obviously, we stay where we are spiritually. So we need to ask ourselves the question, why don't I care enough to do something different? And please remember, ingrain this in your brain. As we saw in last week's message, this isn't about doing things for God's approval or checking them off the good Christian's to-do list. It's about becoming more like Jesus and exploring how we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as long as we are on this side of heaven, none of us will ever get to the place of being enough like Jesus. There will always be more growth to pursue. So let's get going. Now, I want to take a look at a couple parables in the Bible that might be new for some and familiar to others. So we're going to start with a look uh, at a passage in the Gospel of Luke. And this happens to be the book that we are working through in our Bible study this year. And just so you know, it's never too late to join us if you would like. In fact, we just got started a couple weeks ago. So connect with me in the lobby after the service if you're interested in that. So anyway, let's take a look at Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 11. The crowd was listening or excuse me, Jesus, ha let me preface this first. Jesus has a captive audience and he corrects this misconception of uh, the Jewish, he's got a captive audience with a Jewish crowd and, and there's this misconception regarding their belief that the kingdom of God would begin right away. Uh, the Jewish didn't understand that Jesus would be going away soon and would be gone for a season and that he had to work for them, he had work for them to do prior to his return. So verse 11 is where we're going to start. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. And before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying... Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him, and he sent, and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want you to be our king. And after he was crowned king, he returned and called the servants, called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. 
The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. Uh, you have been faithful with the little that I entrusted you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and I made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with and taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn, condemn you. If you knew that I am a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Now, there's another very similar parable in Matthew chapter 25. And the parable is also about a man uh, who goes on a long trip. And before he goes, he entrusts money to three of his servants. And there are some similarities in the two parables, but there are also some differences between them that are important for us to take a look at. They're important for us to notice. So first, there are different groups of people represented in these parables. In Luke, the crowd of people includes both those who claim to follow Jesus and those who don't. So today we might call them believers and non-believers. Different translations of the Bible will refer to the money with different words, such as talents, minas, silver, or gold. So for today's comparison, we're going to call the money in Luke's passage pounds and the money in Matthew's passage bags, and that will kind of help us uh, clarify between the two. So in Luke, the pounds are equally divided among 10 different servants. They each received the same amount with the instruction to invest this for me while I am gone. Now, although they each received the same amount to invest, the return on their investment is not the same. And there's one servant mentioned who does not invest his pounds at all, and as a result, they're taken from him and given to another servant who invested well. In the Matthew parable, the bags are given to three servants in different amounts of money to see what they will do with it. The amounts are allotted in proportion to each servant's abilities. One receives five bags, one receives two, and one receives one. Now, the two of the men invest their bags and receive a return on their investment. One does not receive nothing. His bag is also taken and given to the highest investor. Now, in both passages, the giver of the money represents Jesus Christ. He will be leaving the earth to return at a later date. 
And he has responsibilities for his people to carry out while he is gone. And upon his return, he wants to know how responsible his servants were while he was away. Now, each servant goes before the master to give a report of what they did with the resources entrusted to them in the master's absence. The faithful servants represent two different situations. In one story, the servants are given equal amounts for which they are responsible. And as believers, we all have the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit power inside of us, the same calling to become like Christ, the same expectation that we will be responsible with the grace we have been given through our relationship with Jesus. We are all the same in that we are expected to continue to grow to be more like Jesus. But some of the servants have more return than others because they invest differently. Now, the group of faithful servants in Matthew received differing amounts according to their ability. Now, the important thing to note is that in each situation, the ones who were faithful used what they were given, regardless of the amount they were given, to increase their investment. Now, here is where we are all different. God has wired us differently, given us different gifts, talents, personalities. Some of us are high capacity. Some of us are medium capacity. Some of us are low capacity. The abilities that are given don't matter so much in this situation. What matters is what's done with the abilities or resources that we are given. Each servant is given abilities, resources, spiritual gifts to fulfill our calling as a follower of Jesus Christ. What we do with what we are given is directly related to how we are growing. And when we're stuck in a rut, it definitely affects how we invest and the results that we get from what God has given us to invest for his kingdom. Now, there's one servant in both Luke and Matthew that is called wicked or lazy or both. Now, in Luke, the opportunities for increased investment are given to someone else because the lazy servant wasted their opportunity. This is not about salvation. Salvation is never taken away. Once we surrender to Jesus, we are his forever. However... We can say yes to Jesus and then do nothing to cultivate a friendship or relationship with him. Therefore, we miss the opportunity of the fullness that we could have if we had chosen to invest in that relationship. And we miss out on the impact that we could have had on the lives of others for the glory of Jesus. Now, two of the servants in these parables actually blame God for their situation. They don't take responsibility for the rejection of God, for not using the resources God's given them to become more like him and invest in his kingdom. They fail to understand their role as representatives of their master and their responsibilities to be wisely stewarding what had been entrusted to them. So to summarize, we are all given the same grace an opportunity for a relationship with God. Although our abilities are different, the same loyalty to Jesus is required. We, we may not be misspending our spiritual wealth, but simply making no use of it. 
We aren't necessarily doing anything against Jesus. We simply aren't doing anything for Jesus. We're spinning our wheels or are stuck in traffic. We're in a rut and we're going nowhere fast. So what do we do? You know, we certainly have a list of things that uh, we can do to cultivate our relationship with Jesus. And again, this is not about doing, but becoming. So everything that we uh, talk about isn't about checking off that spiritual to-do list. Catalysts are things that we choose to do because we know that doing them will deepen our relationship with Jesus and they will help to move us out of the rut and into productive motion. Our discipleship process has many suggestions, ideas, catalysts for getting out of a rut, for moving one step forward. Even so, how do I motivate myself to actually do one of those catalysts? I mean, we all know how difficult it can be to add something new to our routines. I mean, it begins with what we think, how we think, what we believe. Now, we can say that we believe something in our head, but it isn't until we believe it in our heart that we live according to said belief. A belief becomes a way of life when it comes from head knowledge to resting and residing in our heart. So what do you believe about God? Is he the one true God? Does he truly care about you? And is he actively, actively involved in your life? Does he actually have a plan for your life? Can you trust him wholeheartedly? Now, if we believe any or all of these things, then we have to ask ourselves the question, what difference does this make in the way that I live? How does this impact my desire to be closer to him, to be more like him? Now, someone who is stuck in a rut usually answers this question with, it doesn't make as much of a difference as it could. It doesn't make as much of a difference because I am just plugging along, content with where I am, for whatever reason. I don't really have the desire to make more of a difference for Jesus or to be closer to him. Now, I'm an eternal optimist until I'm not. Now, I believe that Jesus is all-powerful, and I believe that we can ignore him. But since Jesus is Lord, and he's always working in us, even when we don't realize it, let's talk about how we can get out of a rut. So listen closely, because this is earth-shattering. I have two things for you. Do something new or get back to something, get back to doing something that you've let slide. <sighs> Can you believe it? I mean, most of you have seen this before. This is our discipleship strategy. Now, if you'd like a hard copy, you can grab one in the back on your way out. Uh, if you are watching online, go to our website and click the Watch tab and download the discussion guide for today's sermon, and this diagram will be included. But, but just look at all the things that you could try. I mean, I would, I would recommend that you begin by figuring out which category you are in 
and you might fit into more than one and, and try one of the catalysts that fit in, in that stage of growth. Now, Chris went through all of this in detail in the first message of this series. So if you aren't sure about where you are, go back and watch that message. If you are exploring Christ, find someone who has a relationship with Jesus and talk about your questions and what you're interested in and discuss your perspectives with each other and pray. Here's the deal. Pray and ask God to show himself to you and he will. I promise you he will. And if you're growing in Christ, how about trying things like Bible study or tithing or serving others or finding a spiritual mentor? Or if you're close to Christ, how about serving, uh, practicing solitude, deepening your prayer life, sharing your faith with someone, or, or becoming a spiritual mentor yourself? And in course, of course, in all of these categories, pray. I mean, just talk to God and ask for truth, ask for guidance. And you have heard us say this before, and we will keep on saying it. The number one game changer for everyone is God's written word. Now, being in God's word is the number one thing to help us become more like Jesus. It doesn't matter where we are on the spiritual growth continuum, whether you're just exploring or you're a spiritual adult. God's word is the bomb. And there are so many ways to experience God's Word. You can read it. You can listen to it. You can sing it. You can study it with others. There are tons of Bible reading programs. A rewrite verses in a journal. Memorize scripture. Lots of ways to experience God's Word. Did you know that there are even companies that make temporary tattoos that you can wear to help you memorize and meditate on Bible verses? Now, there are many simple ways to get out of a rut, but it does require us to take the step, make the commitment, do the thing. It requires some amount of work. It requires initiative. And to be honest with you, it's a lot easier to stay out of a rut than to get out of a rut. And one of my favorite ways of keeping myself from getting into a rut is to spend time in nature with God. My favorite place is the beach or any body of water, really. You know, being in God's creation helps me to remember that he is the creator of all things. He created me for a purpose. And it helps me to revisit on a regular basis just what that purpose is. And I can deeply worship God in his creation. Worship with music. Uh, this definitely helps me to kind of recenter my anxious thoughts. It helps me to acknowledge his power and his majesty. And I experience uh, gratitude for the gift of music and how it moves me. Journaling, this is a big one for me. Now, I have a hard time concentrating and keeping my thoughts on Jesus. Anybody? 400 hands went in the air. So my general routine is to read his word, and I'm currently using the YouVersion app. I know many of you are. And my time is early in the morning because I'm kind of a morning person, so it works for me. might not work for you. Uh, I read and I write down verses that I want to pay special attention to. Um, and then I write to Jesus. I write about him and his goodness. And I write about what he may be trying to tell me in the passages that I wrote down. I write out all my junk that I hope is never read by anyone else. 
Actually, I'm not sure about that. I'm not quite sure, this is honesty here, I'm not quite sure if I want my kids to read my journals or not. So I kind of put that in the to be determined category. Now, I've noticed when I don't do this particular practice, distance in my relationship with Jesus it just kind of starts to creep in. That's, that's what works for me. Doesn't mean that's your thing, but that's my thing. You know, nothing here is rocket science. And yet we still get into ruts sometimes. I mean, maybe because we think we have all the time in the world to get around to it. And to that, I say from Psalm 90, 12, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The New King, Version says, New King James Version says, teach us to number our days. And this isn't about keeping a calendar. The words teach us mean cause us to know. And the word number means to reckon or assign or appoint something. Teach us how to assign significance to each day so that we have the ability to see it as you, Lord. Help us to quit filling our time with lesser things. And may we realize the significance of each day's wealth and understand the importance of spending and investing it well. If we want to get out of the rut and stay out of the rut, we have to decide what comes first in our lives. And there's hundreds of possibilities. Many are good. Some are bad. But the decision is yours and mine. What will be the number one priority in my life? And Matthew 6, 33 tells us what should be. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I am responsible and accountable for seeking of God's kingdom, for the seeking of God's kingdom. That's my job. He is responsible for providing what I need to think like, act like, be like Jesus. And I want to address one more issue before we go. Maybe you're in the highly disciplined category. Maybe your struggle isn't starting something new. Perhaps your struggle is that if you can't do it 100%, then it's not worth doing. Anybody? So I want to share about my friend Jen. I have her permission. She's a high-capacity, very disciplined individual. She's in Bible study, and by golly, she works hard on her lessons. And she's also very involved with her work and her children, and in this season of her life, she's super busy. Her challenge isn't that she won't commit to growth. Her challenge is to give herself grace if she can't do everything 100%. She's, she's tempted to not come to class if she doesn't complete her entire lesson. In other words, if she hasn't completed it, it loses its value. But let me suggest another approach to those of you who might be in the same boat. How about a change of mindset regarding the expectations for yourself? What if you enjoyed 100% of the 1% that you were able to accomplish and allow God to work in that 
as you explore something new to rejuvenate your relationship with Jesus, find the balance between 0% complacency and 100% setting yourself up for failure. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you as you seek to put Jesus first and, and grow in your relationship with him. You know, growth begins in our beliefs and it must move into our hearts to create a change in how we are living our lives. Now, we actually have a great tool to assist you in the process. And I'm going to have some sign-ups in the lobby if you're interested in exploring this with me in a group setting. I will be meeting with anyone who's interested on either Wednesday evening, September 27th from 6 to 8 p.m. or Sunday morning from October, on October 8th from 9 to 11 p.m. So you'll make it right on time to church. I'll make sure you're on time. And now, it's, it's a one-time deal. I mean, we may do it again, but the, the, the opportunity is you just do it one time. And it's about a two-ish hour experience. Uh, we even provide extra coaching if you so desire. So you can meet me at the Welcome Center if you're interested, or you can email me at michelle at dayspringfellowship.com. And maybe this opportunity is your next step to getting out of the rut or staying out of the rut. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we love you so. And, Lord, we love ourselves so. And we love our schedules so. And we love all the things we do so. Help us, God, to place the proper priority in each day. Help us with the desire, God. Help us with the thought process of, I, need, I believe this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live it out. We can't do that part on our own. We can will it. We can try it. We can, you know, gut through it. It's just, we need you for that. So God, help us to be willing and receptive and faithful because you're always faithful and you'll meet us where we're at. You'll give us what we need. But we do have a responsibility of initiative. So God, help us with that. And I know, God, that in this room and watching online, there are those who have not even entered yet into a relationship with you. I pray, God, that... That's the step that they're working on, that you're working on with them. So God, the power of your spirit, may it fall on us. May it wash through us. May it power out of us as we become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his holy name that all the people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions on your own or with others will help the truth of God's Word begin to shape your life as you grow to be like Jesus. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. If you are just checking us out today, Please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. We count it a privilege to play a small part in God's perfect work in you today. 
The people who called Dayspring their home church make this ministry possible. Their faithful giving is proof of God's work in their lives, and they want to pay it forward so you can experience the same life-changing presence of Jesus. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website, or text GIVE to the number on your screen, or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Until we meet again, I am praying that God would give you opportunities to use your influence for the glory of His kingdom. And one more thing. Thank you for liking, sharing, and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. If this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sowing.